this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. sure test of will um my wi-fi is super wonky and there's a construction team outside and there is also a guy i did not know that the landlord had done this but is working on hardwood floors in my house um i have the door insulated with a whole bunch of towels i have the windows (laughs) i'm I'm basically living like nick cave probably normally lives um but i'm in total darkness and as much isolated as i can be you're living in a Nick Cave? <laughs> mm, that joke number one. Check. Hey, you're the one that wanted to report early. I'm awake. I'm fully awake. I'm more oh, man. Do the later episodes. That was so brutal. Uh, we haven't done a morning episode in like over, over a year and a half, I think. Probably longer than that. I mean, that's how we used to do them all. Yeah, we used to do them smack dab in the middle of the day when the sun was out. It's so weird. So weird to even think of that now. It's odd to it's odd to sit here in brightness. I know, well, as brightness as, as bright as I can be, considering that I'm living like a bat at the moment. This is my this is my preferred way of podcasting, but almost nobody ever wants to record at this time. So yeah. I've acclimated to the nighttime. So now I'm like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. Yeah, like when I was doing all the when I had this show was just Creative Minds and I was doing the interviews every week. Mm-hmm. It was always during the daytime if I could do it. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, I wanted to be as sharp as possible. So especially when it was people in London, I always had to do it in the daytime. Well, you got your Jad joke out of the way within the first 30 seconds. So, I mean, I, I think we're off to a good start. Well, I, I, would, I would think um, for everybody listening, if they're lucky, there will be more. <laughs> One would think, yeah. If, if, if this tea that I'm drinking will help me. Um, I'm also I'm battling a, the beginning of a cold. Really weird week for me. Mm-hmm. Arm thing and now this. So, yeah. What can you please explain the arm thing? I don't. I don't know that I can. No. <laughs> uh, well, I went to I went to sleep and I woke up with a, an arm that didn't work. Really, I couldn't lift it. Um, oh, that's weird. 
And then three days later, it was fine. And then it came back for a day and then it went away. So I don't know. I'm a, I've been a, afraid to go out and hit the boxing bag because the muscle that was injured is the top of my shoulder. Uh, which is like my punchy, my punchy muscle. Yeah, I, for, so, I forget that you're doing the boxing thing. That explains a lot. Well, I don't think it's from that. I Honestly, I think it's from my sleeping um, because I tend to pin my arms. Mm-hmm. Not both at the same time, but if I'm I, I'm a side sleeper, so I tend to pin one arm underneath. Mm-hmm. And if you lay in the right spot in my mattress, because it's an older mattress, my shoulder will slip like really underneath. And sometimes I will, because of that, jump my arm up above my head, straight out. You know, like I'm pointing to the sky. Yeah. So between those two things, neither of those for long periods of time necessarily good for your shoulders. Yeah, so, I can imagine. And I'm not a back sleeper. I never have been. I have like sleep apnea and stuff like that anyway, so I'd die. <laughs> yeah, I try I try to sleep on my back because supposedly it's better for your back, but I've never been able to pull it off. Like I've, I've been a side sleeper essentially my entire life. It's like sleeping like a corpse. I don't understand it. I mean, corpses don't sleep, but I don't know. It's just not comfortable. I, my grandfather used to do it. And I don't know how he did it. But he also snored like he was cutting down the forest. So, yeah, my dad does that too. I I, yeah, I remember like I'm so it's weird because I'm a light sleeper, but I am immune to snoring. Like I feel like your body just adapts over time. It's really weird. Yeah, I don't know what the what the deal with sleep apnea is because so I went in and I you know the doctor and you have this little class and they explain what sleep apnea is and they make you do a test and all this. It's so fucking common, but like it. I don't know if it's like one of those things that always existed and then that just science just finally figured out that it was happening or if it's an epidemic, you know, like might, all of a might sudden be both. it's fucking weird. It, it might be people are discovering it because or not discovering it, but people are learning a lot more about it because it's becoming an epidemic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm going to show you another, con- I'm going to send you a photo in a second of another consequence of recording in the daytime. I had to take the photo first. And for people listening, the photo will be on Instagram. But it is that um, Latte doesn't nap <laughs> during what? the daytime. So he's literally on my lap. So I'm juggling the microphone, the keyboard, my beverages, and a dog on one leg. Um, I'm on one of my legs that is sending me the photo. Huh. Because dogs, dogs of his size don't necessarily lay across your lap. They lay in a way that you have to keep your butt cheeks clenched to keep them on your lap. Oh, ha! Okay, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, so I'm, I'm getting in a, I'm getting a glute workout right now as we speak, <laughs> and a thigh workout. Well, because of how I'm sitting, um, because of the the precarious situation, I have to be. I literally have to be like in as close to the middle of my room as possible. Um, so I have to be on my bed and on a corner of my bed. So I have to sit very strangely. So my leg is already starting to fall asleep and it's only five minutes in. So I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to maneuver this as we continue talking so that my leg isn't completely dead by the time we're done. That's funny that you should say that because when I was recording the episode with Julie, which came out to today that we're recording, but three days ago for everybody listening, we were talking about how you used to put the microphone in weird places so that you had to like lean forward the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why you did that to yourself, but 
it's basically a self-immolation, you know, like the same reason that I don't just say, hey, I'll be right back. I have to be right now in the middle of an episode and I just hold it for two hours. Yeah. And I feel like with you too, like there are times where that happens really early in the episode and you're holding it literally for two hours. Yeah. You can tell probably by the urgency of some of my comments. <laughs> yeah. And or by the time we're done, you're like, okay, gotta go. Bye. Or I say, PP, gotta go pee Yeah, that was still one of the strangest moments ever. <laughs> it's like your brain just took over. Like this subconscious physical, like your medulla oblongata said, you know what, we're running the show for a few minutes. I go pee, Chad. I wonder what with the dog on my lap. What we will say. Oh, man. Come out of my mouth. <laughs> Ugh. Well, um, I mean, it's it's entertaining for the like for at, at the very least, it's entertaining for me. So yeah, there's that's that. All that matters. Yeah, exactly. If I can keep you entertained for two hours. I can at least keep some audience members entertained. Yeah, I'm gonna open up the Instagram real quick. Right, can you believe that file's still saving? By the way, that's unbelievable. How big is the file? It's oh, uh, it's like six or seven gigs. Every oh, Jesus, every episode of the show is like six or seven gigs. Ugh, really? I had no idea they were that large. I mean, what what? I'm I'm sure well, no one cares about this other than us. But what sample rate are well, you saying? Shit, it's our show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's part of it is the length. So you uh, have an audio file. You know, like Logic Pro projects aren't usually two to three hours long. They're usually five to ten minutes long. Sure. You've got multiple tracks, which is doesn't really add too much. But you know, you have multiple long tracks. But then we have. Uh, let's see. Let me, oh, I can't do it while it's saving. But I have like six effects on every. You know, like I have a, a declicker so that you know when our voices go click click, if our yeah. mouth is getting dry or something, it cuts that out. Mm-hmm. Noise reduction for the background, uh, a leveler. Um, okay, so that makes more sense because you're running filters while you're saving, so it's processing and saving at the same time. Yeah. So okay, it, that it, makes sense. It takes like twenty minutes to save a file, sometimes yep. more depending. And this this was well, this. That's a 148. That's a little bit short, actually. So it's a shorter episode. This is, I'm saving the Julie file. So uh, glad that went well, by the way. I was worried about that one. Oh, it's so much fun. She's so much fun. Yep. Well, what's, what's weird about these, what I have to do because, like most people, I don't have the money to buy the maxed out laptop with, you know, like a terabyte of storage in it or two terabytes. I get the like medium level of storage. Well, all these, like I said, these are like five to five to eight gig files for every mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, I wouldn't have a hard drive anymore, so I have to move them to an external. Jeez! But to do that, first I have to move a folder over into the the external drive for the episode, drop in the the raw audio files. Mm-hmm. But then I have to save. That's another reason it takes longer because it's saving to an external as opposed mm-hmm. to the home drive. Gotcha. Yeah, that at least quadruples the time because you now you're at the limit of USB. Yeah, because like if I rate. if I saved that to my desktop, the Logic profile, and then moved it over, it would take like three times as long. Sure. Because it's going to save, and then it's going to take the time for the transfer. So it's easier to save it right to the external. But like you said, limits of USB. Yep. And it's USB C, but still, it's not Thunderbolt. Mm-hmm. Oh, even Thunderbolt probably would take this long. Actually, I think it is Thunderbolt technically. Yeah, Thunderbolt's pretty quick, but yeah, I mean, you're you're just it's just plus on top of that, it's a seven gig file, dude. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's not just the transfer rate too. You know, it's that yeah, 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 right. Because it's it's when you save this in Logic, it's got three levels. So there's the top one saving, the next one copying audio file, and Mm -hmm. then underneath that, it's copying all of the the effects for 
each audio file. So every time I cut, you know, like if there's a <laughs> and I cut out a cough mm-hmm. and that splits a track into two, that's a new audio file. Cut out a cough. I don't cut know. Cut out a cough. Cut out a cough. You know, it almost sounds like you're at the dentist. Yeah, or or sound like a old dude from New York. Oh, you just cut out the cough. It's fine. Speaking of, um, Coming to America 2 is coming out and I'm very excited about that. That's so strange to me. But, uh, you know, it seems like there's a lot of money in remaking things right now. We're bringing old things back. At the very least, though, I respect Eddie Murphy for taking as long as he did to even consider doing the second one. So I don't there's know if that. that's happened, though. I feel like he was like, I'm done with that. And then money was the lure. Sure. Well, it's like that Denzel Washington thing, right? Like he said, he'd never do a sequel and he did one for uh, the equalizer because the money was right. Yeah. Well, when it comes down to it, most people put in those situations will probably pick to do something like that. Like how much well, of a compromise is this? Ah, uh, not that much of one. Well, I, I, I bet though in certain cases, like the case of Denzel or Eddie Murphy, those guys are stinking rich. So sure, the money's a lure there too, but the project had to be right. Well, I, I think the money is a lure because... Um, even though they're stinking rich, you know, like uh, I, I don't remember who the interview was with this is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Somebody's talking about like uh, as you make more money, your lifestyle grows with it. Oh, sure. So, you know, like uh, we'll say that you and I have, well, you and I are probably rare exceptions because we're both <laughs> struggling right now. But we'll, we'll say at our good time, we have 20% disposable income. Mm-hmm. I would venture that people that are totally loaded like Denzel have 20% expendable income because 80% of it is going to pay for the really expensive house here, the really expensive house there, the sales tax, the agent, you know, the the car, the travel. So they're spending just as much percentage-wise as we are. Yeah, it's funny you say that. The the hardest part is actually going backwards. Um, you know, because when I was working in tech um, and I was doing that kind of stuff, like I was making significantly more money. Um, I, I would say more than double what I'm making now. So my lifestyle was very different. And then having to adjust backwards, um, you know, because I, at, at one point I, I made a choice to do something that made me happy versus something that made me money. Um, I took more than a 50% pay cut in order to do that. And although I'm happier, I definitely had to, there was like, it was like a year for me to readjust everything. You know, like it's simple stuff too, like having to buy different food or, going out to eat less or actually food was probably the biggest thing um, for me anyway, um, just because I, I had to be much more careful about how and where I spent money. So I couldn't just randomly go, Hey, let's go have a $150 dinner. You know what I mean? Yeah. You go back to like looking and going, okay, this is, this is how much, uh, exactly. okay, probably, not, probably not valuable for me enough for me to spend $20 right now. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the reasons I love the bank that I use that simple. Mm-hmm. Because when I allocate stuff to bills and stuff like that, it removes it from my my balance. Sure. So I'll ha- I have what they call a, a safe to spend balance, and safe to spend balance is the money that's not allocated to some excuse me to something else. Mm-hmm. So anytime I'm in a situation like that, I can just pop up the widget. You know, it'll be like uh, eight hundred dollars safe to spend. Okay, I have plenty of money. I can buy food right now. For- yeah. Unnecessary food that is. I'm sure. not that impoverished, but <laughs> unnecessary food. Oh, well, you know, unnecessary food is like ice cream. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Boba tea, lamb, boba tea. I know, I know. Unnecessary food. 
it's funny because I have I have tears of sacrifice and um, like boba is definitely one of those things that's on that list. Like if I'm not if if financially I'm having a tougher time, then I always sacrifice boba first. Um, and there's tiers like that's like tier one, and then there's tier two, tier three. Like coffee is like tier four, and then tier five is like basic food. Like I have to eat something. That is one of the few places where I happen to be very lucky with having removed so many vices from my life mm-hmm. that my my income or my my spending is so much more secure now mm-hmm. in the sense, you know, like cigarettes. It used to be $5 a day at least, right? Well, sure. at a certain point, it got up to like $8 a day, probably what it is now or 10 Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So 5 to $10 a day, uh, coffee. Five to seven dollars a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else was there? Alcohol. Oh, mm. alcohol is a big one. Yeah, that would be like two hundred dollars a week sometimes. Oh, yeah, I mean, without breaking a sweat. I mean, it's yeah. it's easy to spend that on alcohol, actually. Not not counting the wrecking crew days when it was oh, far far God. more. Jesus, I was just thinking about that the other day. Like considering how much more. Like that's when I was still working in tech. You know what I mean? Like I was I was wrecking crew back then um and god i would spend i mean i remember there was a month where i probably spent like two thousand dollars on alcohol it was ridiculous oh yeah it's kind of it's kind of sad when you think about it you know like you're like now you're going hmm how am i gonna buy this thing that you know like oh i need to fix this thing on my computer i can't pay for that right now i gotta Mm -hmm. wait a few months and you're like "Hmm, if i only had all that money that i pissed into a urinal sure (laughs) <laughs> but you know, I, I I try not to do that just because I know that there's there's an experience associated with that that was important to a certain chapter of my life. So I you know I try not to look back with regret. Um, I don't look Definitely back. Definitely not anger, true. Cigarettes know. though. Oh yeah. Well, I mean that's yeah. But we've had a lot of great conversations. They would have on porches. Yeah, I know. But it's it, it was a it was a different feeling. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, sorry, drinking water again. You. That's twice in a row. <laughs> You've got me with water in my mouth. Yeah, I seem to get, but I, I seem to be doing that a lot more. Like my timing on that's really good, I, or or really bad, depending on how you look at it. We're losing our rhythm. We're losing our rhythm. Well, I feel like it's because you're establishing rhythms with so many different people um, that that now, like your your cadences from person to person, like they take a little bit to to adjust to. You know what I mean? Which is about right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I believe it. Oh man, I'm looking through the Instagram and I'm like, there's so many things in here that I haven't talked about, but I don't really want to talk about any of them. So tell me, tell me what it was like to do an interview again. I was a little nervous, to be honest, because I thought yeah. it was going to be rusty. Sure, um, but we got we got lucky in the sense that um, her having been in a metal in a black metal band and me having just read a book about the history of black metal. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, back in the day, me listening to all of that music as well, we got to start there, and I think it just broke the conversation in for both of us. Yeah, and then it was smooth sailing from there. And I think that, you know, along the theme of getting better at stuff, when it comes to interviews, I think that that's like tantamount for my style is to find that one foothold, and then I'm fine. After that one foothold, I just need that beginning foothold. Yeah, sure. And, you know, like everybody has different, we've, we talked in the past about uh, Cal Newport. Everybody has like a different style of how to get a conversation rolling. And Mm -hmm. to me, mine is get that first foothold, have that one thing 
that breaks the person into and myself as well into a conversation and out mm-hmm. of an interview format. Yeah. If I can find a topic that the person is passionate about or that they want to talk about, then once they start talking, they'll do like what we talk about a lot where we forget we're recording. Uh, yep. If you can get them into that place, then you're good for the next two hours. Man, I don't even care that we're recording anymore. I don't even oh, think, don't about, think it. about it. Yeah, yeah, I don't think about it at all. When you, yeah, especially like this is my third episode. Well, actually, technically my fourth episode recorded this week. So I literally don't even think about it at all anymore. It's, mm. it's like a phone call for me. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, by the way, speaking of fourth episodes, I recorded... Um, we, I guess we could go to that when we go to challenge. We'll get back to that. Never mind. Stick around for a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. What I was about to say. <laughs> oh, the mood is so weird in the morning. Such yeah, a I feel like feel. I feel like we're moving a lot faster. Strange. I feel like we're going nowhere yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, going nowhere fast is probably the better way to describe it. Like I feel like we're we've, a lot more words have been said. Um, but I feel like in the morning you have like this tendency to want to 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 recap the week because you don't have the ability to recap the day yet. You know? Yeah, I think yeah, mornings are less less introspective. They're more yeah, sure. kind of like uh, analytical almost. Outrospective. That's not even a word. I like it though. That should be a word. Outrospective. We shall define it today. Use this word henceforth. <laughs> henceforth. Henceforth. I like uh, that was, word. Uh, in reading the Secret Garden, mm-hmm. uh, Mary. God, her name is so. Her name's not Mary. Frances Hodgson Burnett. Hard name to remember for some reason for me. Yeah. Um, the Francis Hodgson Burnett book. And she talks about uh, how like the servant people speak Yorkshire. Mm. And what's really strange about it, I, I think the book was written in the 1800s, early 1800s, like 1818 or something like that. Um, watch, I'll be off by 100 years. <laughs> like actually, Chad, it was 1911. Oops. Uh, well, like you used to be fond of saying, we're not an informational show. Yes, don't take anything to be truth. Uh, but anyways, she talks about Yorkshire and the way that the you know I was listening to the audio book I told you before. Karen Gillian's reading it, and hearing her voice when they do the Yorkshire is really weird because it sounds. I don't, it's obviously not modern Yorkshire, but it was modern Yorkshire when the book was written. Mm-hmm. It sounds like um, not Shakespearean, but almost almost like Thor in the comics. Not in the movies, because he talks like a normal dude. But you remember in the comics, he would use a lot of thous and these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And his, you know, was always written in script instead of, you know, comic sans like every other character. Yep. That's how the Yorkshires talked. Like, get thee down. Like, whoa. Did they really talk? I assume they really talked like that then. Mm, that's, that is really strange. But that it was... So when we, as Americans, when we when we make jokes about like henceforth and thee thou, it's always snooty and upper class. Mm-hmm. But for them, the these and the thous of the Yorkshire was mm-hmm. lower class. Oh, weird. So like the language had moved beyond that, but yeah. these people were still speaking archaic. Mm. That's interesting, right? Yeah, that is really weird. It'd I would be like guess that. How did you, you know, find this? Out? How did you find this out, by the way? Just by reading the book. Uh, okay. You know, you just put it together where it's, you know, like, okay, well, the, the 
rich people, the educated rich people in this book, aren't mm-hmm. using these and nows. Sure. But the poor people are. So that means that they, they're getting it from, I would, what I would guess Church. is they, yes, exactly. They're getting mm-hmm. it from the Bible. Yep. And whereas the educated people are reading other books. Sure. And the poorer people are only getting, probably not even reading the Bible. They're hearing the Bible read to them mm. in, you know, in their churches. So that's what their concept of language is. And obviously, given that the church had a different value to people at the time, people would probably, I don't know, well, yeah, use it more. England had a very peculiar relationship with churches in general. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the, there's, there's definitely, you know, like towns were built around churches, but I don't know how to explain the difference. You know, like Catholic countries, like the religion would kind of like permeate everything. But then in England, like mm-hmm. the Church of England, it was very different. Like the, the churches would build, you know, you'd build a parsonage around a church. And that was something you new. Know, everybody went to church, but it wasn't like this permeated thing. Like they didn't talk about religion a lot. Mm-hmm. Is is very separated, and it probably had, you know it makes sense. You know, you had this king who kicked out the church and created his own, so there was probably always this separation because of that. Sure, but it wasn't really a separation of church and state; it was a separation of church and church. Yeah, no, yeah, it's definitely the opposite of a separation of church and state. No, I mean a separation between the people and their. Oh, religion. sure, yeah, 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 yeah. The what disconnect there? between the two, yeah, that makes exactly. sense. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Their religion was it was a little bit separated from them, in mm-hmm. the, that, like I said, it didn't permeate everything. You know, they would use the these and nows in the book, but there's very, uh, I don't think there's one reference to religion once in the book. Mm. So it's very, I mean, all, all this is speculation, but this is just kind of what what seems to be when I'm reading the book. But it's it's always fascinating to catch on to those little things. Where you're like, hmm, what does that mean? What is what is that lead out? Why why are they, why are they talking like that? Mm-hmm. And I, I think about that. Like, imagine you know, if you had uh, a homeless person. Well, I won't say a homeless person, but you have your maid because these are servants in the book. You have a maid that comes to your house, and they're talking like George Washington. You know, they're, they're using the language that that they used in 1776. Yeah. That would be strange, right? It's also really weird that the American accent developed so fast, actually, now that I think about it that way. Yeah. I've, you know, I mean, the American the American accent, as we understand it, is actually a relatively new thing in, in the scope of human history. Well, yeah, you had the influence of the French, and I think the French were a huge, a huge influence in, in switching that in America. Mm-hmm. But then it, it's... There was, there's still some connection in the East Coast accent. Mm-hmm. The East Coast accent, in some way, is a derivative of that because they used to have. I can't remember what it's called. I want to say trans trans transatlanticism. There's there's a. I'm gonna Google that. There was there's a name for the language that they used to use in old movies. Mm-hmm. Sounded vaguely English, and I. I want to say it's transatlanticism. It's it's a word that nobody wants to say. Transatlanticism. Um, I can't Google it right now. It's just too much. I don't have well, even even beyond that, the West Coast accent is actually remarkably new. 
Right. That's the the weird space of traveling across the country and being removed from that because you know technically the west was uneducated Mm -hmm. so they were speaking probably terrible english oh sure i mean yeah i mean if we're looking at it from that context then most of our most of our version of the language comes from cowboys yeah which i don't even know where the hell that comes from uh being stuck in the middle of nowhere by yourself trying to survive for it's definitely not connected to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it is a little bit. Maybe, but I, I can't really see the the connection. Um, well, because I, I think about where the drawl, the southern drawl, comes from. You know what I mean? Like, and and how that because that that inherently became the western version um, of cowboy language. I mean, that's that's probably what it's most akin to, anyway. And so, so the version that I speak now. I mean, I have plenty of friends from ta- Texas, so when I talk to them, it's it's it sounds almost like a different language in a weird kind of way. Mm-hmm. Oh, I found it. Mm. The mid-Atlantic accent or transatlantic accent is an accent of English blending together prestigious American and British English ways of speaking adopted in the early 20th century, mostly by American aristocrats and actors. It is a non-native vernacular or regional American accent. Instead, according to voice and drama professor Dudley Knight, it is an affected speech set of speech patterns whose chief quality was that no American actually spoke it unless educated to do so. Oh, weird. So like if you went to highfalutin schools in Boston, Mm -hmm. Connecticut, probably Connecticut more than Boston, they would teach you this. I do like that you use the word highfalutin though. Highfalutin. Highfalutin. That's a cowboy word. Them highfalutin people from New York. Yahoos. I think the... I, I was introduced to this concept in watching the Natalie Portman masterclass when she was breaking down the accent that she used in the Jackie Kennedy biopic. Mm-hmm. I always feel weird every time I say biopic, like I'm saying the wrong word. Biopic? Biopic? You're mm. biopic. Biopic. Yeah, so basically the transatlantic accent. No, that's that's not it. Yeah, I don't know what well, that was. It was it's 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 hard to do because it's you got to go back and watch old movies because it's like it's like an amalgam. There's a lot of all oh, oh, like the English alls on vowels, but then it's it's almost um yeah, I don't know how to We need to, we need to find it. a good example of it and share it on the Instagram or something cuz I don't even know what the hell you're talking about now and I I'm a big accent guy. Yeah, let me see. Hold on. We will make it happen right now, live on the show. How's that? Beep, boop, boop, beep. We're going to use the, the, the Google machine? Fuck Google. No. I <laughs> Try to trick me there. <laughs> I almost had you. No, I didn't. You, you immediately reacted well to that. All right. Let's see if people can hear this. Well, is she going to use it or is she just going to talk about it? Uh, I don't like that. That pisses me off. Mm, I should have vetted it. Oh, Catherine Hepburn is a perfect example. Hmm. Hopefully we don't get any copyright dings for what I'm about to do. 
Yep. Well, there goes that idea. Okay. I suppose you'll still be attracted to any man of spirit, though. Oh. Really now I kind of know what you're talking about. The mail than the, uh, Wait for her. Wait for her. Really? Really. We're very vain, you know. This citadel can and shall be taken, and I'm the boy to do it. You seem quite contemptuous of me all of a sudden. Yeah, that rally, rally. That's a yeah, perfect yeah, example yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And now, I, now I totally know what you're talking about. Yes. We haven't done that before on the show. Yep. It may, we may be able to have a, an episode about what it's like to get a copyright ding. Bing. Huh. I doubt it. There's not enough people listening to this. Yeah, I was going to say someone would have to be paying attention. In uh, whatever that. I really doubt it, Chad. Yes, that's it right there. You know, There's that. no way anyone's going to copyright dig us because nobody cares. Quick, quick, quick. Quick. Hit the button. Yeah, there was the, you know, the, there was like the reporter talk too, right? Which was a little bit faster. But like, let's get going. This week on the show, Random Madassery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, know, I, I now know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's mid Atlantic or transatlantic accent. Transatlanticism. What's fascinating is I was not aware that it was non regional, which mm. means that it is complete affectation. Jeez. That is arrogant as shit. <laughs> Which is uh, very um, very American in its own way. Yeah, I suppose it makes sense. It's very defiant. It's, no, we're not going to use it your way. We're going to take what we like about yours and use it our way kind of thing. Well, I think it's akin to, uh, in a way, the way that when we do movies about Greece or Rome or something like that, they always speak with British accents. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> I told, did I tell you that story? I got kicked out of a um, theater production of uh, Julius Caesar because I did uh, Mark Antony with a uh, like an Italianish accent. Mm-mm. Yeah, um, I was. It was did back you like in my New York Italian. Did you like? Hey, no, oh, no, hey, hey, friends, Romans, countrymen, let me yeah. your fucking ears. No, I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> but I, but I did it. Uh, God, I was like nineteen at the time, and I was, I was an arrogant little punk, and I was like. None of these guys should have English accents, guys. To which I'm closer to the microphone. None of these guys had English accents, guys, and and you know it, it's really weird and disingenuous. And the, I had arguments with the director, and the director was saying, "Yeah, but it's written by an English guy, so it's meant to be a stage play performed by English people for English people." So yes, they did have English accents. And so for the first night's performance, I did Mark Antony mostly with an Italian accent. And at the end of the show, he's like, "Great accent, you're fired." <laughs> <laughs> so that was short-lived and hilarious but i i still hold that to be one of like my proudest moments in theater um because i defied i defied the director and did what i thought was right and in in context it probably like listening to me versus everybody else because i didn't tell anyone i was going to do it i went out on stage and just started doing it and uh the rest of the actors just looked at me like i was out of my mind and rightfully so i was out of my mind um so yeah, um, that's 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 my accent story. Well, see, the weird part to me about the British accent thing is it's fine with me. Mm-hmm. If, you know, like uh, we're making Troy or um, Gladiator, right? If the person who's speaking with the British accent is British, I'm fine with that. You know why? Because I'm aware that they're not actually speaking Roman. Sure. And so they're British. They're British. But what me- weirds me out is when. Troy is my example here. 
I think it was Troy, the one with was Brad Pitt and Troy. Yeah, Brad Pitt was in Troy. Yeah. Okay. Or was that Colin uh, Farrell? I don't know. Or both. I think they're both in it. Oh no, Eric okay. Bana. Mm. I don't know. It was a shitty movie. Anyways, he good, good fight scene though. He fakes a British accent. Like, yeah, that's weird to me. Like speaking I, I, American. Know, well, not only that, but his British accent isn't particularly good either. Mm-hmm. So it's so it's like a why it's like doing triple wrong on that one but yeah. i get why though it's for the sake of continuity like everybody should have the same accent if they're from the same region kind of thing so i understand I that part alert. of it i think we could suspend our disbelief and just I, accept uh, that like this person speaks that way for a because, good movie maybe not for a shitty one <laughs> yeah it's just I, I just think it's stupid i can't remember what movie it was I'm, i might have to look this up um are you aware of the actress fiona shaw uh who is that she plays the wicked aunt of Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Okay. She was also in a wonderful Irish movie called Butcher Boy, which mm-hmm. is one of my all-time favorites. There was something that she was in. So she's Irish. And so she obviously has an Irish accent. There's something that I saw her in where she's married to an Irishman, but they make her fake a British accent. I'm like, why didn't you just make her character fucking Irish? And then sure. she could just use her normal... Because there's nothing in the plot that made it important that she was British. Mm. And I think that that's just really bad direction when you have that. It's, okay, I want this character to be English. Why? What's the importance to that? If you don't have an answer to that question, then don't fucking do it. Well, do you think that's just sticking with some kind of convention that's, you know, like the the idea of everyone having the same accent to maintain like a, a world continuity in that? But they didn't have the same accent. The husband was Irish and spoke with an Irish accent and the character was oh, decidedly oh, 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 Irish. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that makes no sense. So they could have literally rewritten her character to be Irish and then she could have just used her normal accent. Hmm. But instead they kept the character, or I shouldn't say kept... Um, unless it had like source material, but even if it had source material, interpret. Yeah, sure. Because if I can't see it in the script, why she's English, then there's no, absolutely no reason for it. Yeah, it seems like an odd creative choice. Yeah, I can't remember for the life of me what it was. I'm I'm looking through the list of things, but none of them are clicking. Mm. But yeah, it was very strange. I was watching it. And I'm like, this. It's just it sounds stupid. Sure. Especially since she's a, especially over, as they say, across the pond, she's a really well-known actress. Yeah. So everybody's very aware of the fact that she's Irish. Sure. Hmm. They do weird shit. Oh, maybe it was, was it Tree of Life? No. No, it wasn't Tree of Life. That was a, barely a plot in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that? The Terrence Malick film, Tree of Life? Uh, it's like 40 I didn't, minutes I, of watching I didn't, volcanoes. I didn't make it through that movie i was told that it was wonderful so i went and i watched it and there were parts definitely beautiful parts but i was really bored i am gonna say this he's like a large venture to me and don't get me wrong he large venture has produced fantastic work don't get me wrong but i wouldn't go that far large venture is garbage he's, he's produced decent work but he's vastly overrated um and i feel like terrence malick is the same for me he's just overrated man i think he's a decent director i don't think he's i think he's an elitist shithead but you know um I mean, that's unfair. Maybe he's a cool guy. I don't know anything about him. Um, but the movies are definitely pretentious beyond a point that I can tolerate. Badlands was pretty incredible. I don't know if yeah. you ever saw that. Yeah, I mean, that was Thin pretty Red good. Line was not that good. Thin Red, Red Line, Thin Red Line was so obnoxious to me. 
but so yeah, obnoxious. I think his first, technically his first two films, Badlands and Days of Heaven, mm-hmm. those are both fantastic films. After that, mm, there's a lot that I haven't seen. So well, I there's, really that say. was before people told him he was awesome. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it was 70s cinema, and 70s cinema was hot shit. Yep. There was some fantastic shit going on in the 70s in cinema. Yeah. Especially in America. I agree. That was our time. Oh, the good old days before we remade everything and people had original ideas and had the courage to write them. And then people had the courage to put money into them and produce them, even though they were edgy. Uh, it goes, it goes in waves. I, it goes in waves. I think it'll be back. I think, art, I think art works that way. We're in a trough, but it'll be back. I, the audience will have to forgive me for using this word, but uh, we're in pussy cinema phase. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, we're in money-making phase. Literally. And that's yeah. why they remake everything, because it's a safe bet. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or sequels of sequels of sequels, like the new Shaft movie. I don't. I just don't understand why, that one. Why even? Like, the first one fucking sucked. Why would you do another one? I actually didn't hate the first one. I thought it was terrible, but I mean, I didn't think it was the worst movie. I didn't think it was the best movie ever, but I didn't think it was garbage either. Um, it wasn't the way some of the remakes have been. Warrant a remake. I mean, a a sequel. Yeah, sure. But you're right, cash grab. And I don't think it made that much money. So, like, I don't even understand why. I don't. Even, yeah, well, I that mean. one might literally be a pet project of somebody. Like Samuel Jackson just might really want to be Shaft again. You know, that's what I mean? true. That's true. Those old Shaft movies were the best, though. Just the best super, and the worst. Super the exploitative. <laughs> they were just so unique. Yeah, it's just I mean, different. It was a different time, man. Well, there was no such thing as like black cinema then. Yeah, sure. So, like, that was even though, you know, we call it exploitation or whatever, because, you know, like everybody was a pimp or a hoe. Um, the thing about it was. <laughs> You weren't really going to see black characters anywhere else unless there were slaves in like some Civil War remake. You know, the fifth time that we yeah, sure. made a movie about the 50th time we made a movie about the fucking Civil War. But there wasn't, you know, there wasn't that much. You know, we have all of these people like, uh, what's the, Peel, um, Jordan Peel. Is it Jordan Peel? No. Um, is it, I think it is Jordan Peel. You have him. You have, uh, what's, what's the guy that makes all of those Medea movies? Uh oh my god, what's his Tyler name? Tyler Perry. There we Tyler go. Tyler Perry, there you go. So you have all of these producers, directors, writers now that are African American, but back then you didn't. Yeah, that's true. So you didn't have or you know, like in the, the 90s and early two thousands when you had all those I'll call them hip hop movies, you know, like where you had like Spike rap- Lee and yeah. Well you had no, I mean uh rappers putting money into movies you know oh like yeah a, yeah 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 sure you know where it's just a vehicle for the rapper yeah you know like here's a movie with uh 50 cent mm-hmm. um here's a movie with ice cube sure. um it, it just vehicles for the for the fame um barbershop right mm-hmm. things, things like that friday which not i'm not saying these movies are good or bad some of them are good some of them are awful but that was really like the first real push for black cinema mm-hmm. and at, at uh, least on that level yeah when black, that, cinema, when black cinema black directors and black actors became normalized yeah before that all you had was exploitation that's all you had so all you had was shaft all you had was foxy brown mm-hmm. that's all you had sure 
So I, I, I can imagine why even those, those movies are terrible, that they play an important role, mm-hmm. especially if you're an African-American, uh, especially at that time. Like, yeah. hey, here's the hero is a black guy. Yeah, and he looks like you. Holy shit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and he's not like some, you know, like uh, like I said, the, the, if, if a black character was a hero before, he was an escaped slave or something like that. It's like, mm-hmm. here's a guy, a modern guy. That's the hero. Yeah. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. So I can understand like somebody like Samuel L. Jackson going, yeah, we're going to do Shaft. Why? Just because Shaft is historically important. Sure. And even though like the movies aren't great, it's important to him or something like that. I could see that. Well, I, I think to the the at least in the the I haven't seen the movie, so I can't speak that con- that that competently about it. But um, there was plenty of stuff that I saw about how modern safetyism and stuff like that was starting to enter the equation, and how different it was to the different generations of Shaft. And I think that's part of the reason why this one. I mean, sure, it's a cash grab, and and sure, that's probably the biggest motivator. But there, but all three generations of shafts are in this one, and that wasn't the case with the first one um, that Samuel Jackson was in. It was just primarily him, and then the actor that played Shaft. God, I forget his name. I feel really bad about that. Um, um, it's it's the same guy that played Hightower, isn't it? Yeah, Richard. Um, no, 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 no. Sorry, um, it's Richard Roundtree. Oh, Roundtree. That's right. Um, but in this one, he plays a much more prominent role. So all three generations of shafts are... Who's the third generation? His son's in this one. Whose son? Uh, Samuel Jackson's character's son is in this one. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So there's a third generation of shaft and, you know, he's very considerate of women. He's, you know, uh, more socially liberated in that sense, uh, more quote unquote woke, even though I hate that term with a passion. It's a stupid Um, term. It's infuriating on many levels, but um, the, his characters in there, and obviously the 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 understanding that the other shafts have about you know gender roles and all that kind of stuff is vastly different because there's such a ge- huge generational gaps between each one. So that actually makes the story interesting to me, um, just to see how they all see it differently, um, and they they play on that a little bit throughout the course of the movie too as well. So it's it's fun in that respect. Um, so for that reason alone, I kind of want to check it out just to, to to see how they treated that. You know, it's interesting you bring up the term woke. Um, I was listening to something a couple months ago where they were talking about how the use of the the current use of the word woke mm-hmm. is akin to another another example of white people stealing something from black people. Sure. Woke was specifically a term that referred to being aware of things going on within the black community. Mm-hmm. You know, problems going on, classism, racism, all yeah. these things going on. And then it was co-opted by everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I, I can imagine being pissed off like, no, 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 no. Woke is woke was our word. And now that's why it sounds stupid when, when other people say it now. Because it's sure. not your word. Yeah. You, you, you co-opted that word. You, Elvis Presley, the blues. Huh. What am I looking at here? Oh, my favorite word. There's my favorite word. Microaggression. Mm-hmm. I love that word. Oh God, I hate that word. Speaking of stupid words, ah, it speaks mm. to so much of what I don't like about the current progressive landscape, and I and I consider myself to be a progressive. So I mean, speaking of that, I want to go. When you said safetyism, I didn't really connect what you meant when you were saying safetyism and shaft. 
I didn't connect to what you meant there. What do you mean? Where, where did you? Where was the connection to safetyism? You said there wasn't safetyism when they did the the first movie or the second movie. What did? Well, there wasn't. There wasn't really a safe space the same way that there is now. Um, God, I don't even know how to define this properly. You know, like people could just say shit. It's like how you can't say things as a comedian these days. Mm. How how I, I, for example... You mean political correctness. Yeah, political correctness, essentially. Like how I'm even afraid to say these things out loud as a liberal because I feel like the purity police will come after me. You know what I mean? Fuck the purity police. Let them come after me. I know, I know. But I live in a different world than you do. (laughs) Well, I do and I don't. I don't know. I I feel like I, I could get in more trouble... Uh, quicker than you can, I guess, is the better way for me to put it. God, I hope we outgrow this phase soon. We're fucking really, this oversensitivity is it's fucking so, ridiculous. Dude, it's so exhausting. And considering the the political circles that I what if what if that's what it needs, and what if it's important enough? You know, like uh, I, I I don't know that I, anything is important enough to I don't. Know. I, I I know that I know that sounds crazy, man. I know it does, but I'm thinking about it in the context of my relationship now, and I I think of whether or not it was important enough and as brutal, you know, important enough for me to face that amount of, of, of difficulty and pain. And my answer is a very difficult, but very assured. Yes. I don't think anything is, is so important as to blot out everything else. Mm. Nothing. Interesting. Not running the country. Nothing. Sure. Nothing should be the only thing. Ever. Uh, that's, a great, they, that's a great episode name, by the way. <laughs> nothing, you, nothing should be the only thing ever. That's, that's great. You can't obliterate balance from your life. You can't. It's, I mean, you don't have to even look at our lives to figure that out. Look at every single life of everybody that's lived before us. Mm, sure. The people who died miserable had no balance. The people who make it, you know, like look at the people like Bill Gates. He's successful. He has balance in his life. He works his ass off on other things, but he goes on vacation. Yeah, true. So you have to have a balance. And so there are some things that in the end get sacrificed and you go, okay, maybe that had to be sacrificed. But you can't sacrifice everything. Oh yeah, yeah I, I think I think in in terms of the relationship, I, let me be more specific. It wasn't the relationship itself that I sacrificed. It was a choice in who I was going to be that sacrificed the relationship. And it wasn't that I can't have relationships because I'm actually in a very happy and and, and supportive one now. But it couldn't be with someone who couldn't support my choice, right? And I think that's the, the the better way to say that. And this is no fault of the other person. Sometimes you just, you choose different things in your life. You know, like in Crystal's case, for example, this is definitely not a judgment on her at all. You know, like she, she, she knew what her choice was and she was aware of her choice about who I was becoming before I was aware of it. You know, like even, even post breakup, she was very clear to say things to me like, you know, you have to follow your path, lamb. Like you have to, you have to, you have to see where the take, this takes you because the political circle, which is I, I'm very, I have a strong tendency to want to create one liners out of things. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you know, what's interesting about that then is if you're not allowed to talk about personal stuff, Mm -hmm. then that forces you to actually go into the abstract an actual dynamic. Know whether it was intended on her part or not, but it was definitely a moment in which I had to have some clarity about what my path was and what that, that path was going to mean. So little of 
relationships end up being about who people are, but more about when they are. Oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. And, you know, like uh, the people that end up staying together and happy, they kind of stay in, I guess the same space time continuum, you know, in the sense that like who they are and who that person is, those things are in sync. Mm-hmm. But so many marriages or people are, you know, the, it's not that people marry the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Marry them at the wrong time. It's that they end up married to the wrong yeah. person. Yeah. You know, the person they married might have been tools. Sure. But they talk about them very different than I do. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's, a, there's a certain... If we go back to the first episode we ever recorded, Random Badassery, the first conversation we had on that show mm-hmm. was about how things should just work. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Man, and it's been so long. Else. How do you remember that? Well, it's because you have them too, so you can listen to them. Yeah. But, nobody yeah. else in tech, because that's what I think we thought we were a tech show at that point. Yeah. Nobody else in tech was talking about that. Hmm. Everybody was talking about adding features and all this stuff. And we were talking about reducing and simplifying. Yeah. So, like, now that I can see those three pieces, and I went, because I see those three pieces together, I understand my spin and I'm like, Oh, interesting. Like I know why I'm here. When sure. I turn on this microphone, I know why I'm here. Yeah. 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 Like the fourth, the fourth wall is established for me. Interesting. And so that's why I think is you don't even have to tell me when you figure them out, but like, I think it'd be interesting for you to think about because like you said about the other thing, you know, like it's nice to come in and go, okay, here's, here's the walls. Yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. Well, you just know you you can always play the game better when you know the rules of the game. And it is there is something really synchronous about the fact that we're talking about sets. We started talking about sets: one, two, three walls, and the fourth wall is fake. And the three tenants, you know, three walls. I didn't mm-hmm. do that on purpose. You know, like pick three things. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, those just kind of seem to. I know that's kind of a weird thing, though. Like, I think I think the occurrence of the number three in both of our lives is weirdly high, and I think we do it on purpose. Mm. Well, you, like you know me and synchronicities, although I haven't had many yeah, lately. Sure. But I have been. I had. We'll go into this at some point, I'm sure, because it's a tool. But in one of my new systems, I track 